So last week we began this worship series called Great Expectations, thinking about what some uh, scripture passages can teach us about the expectations that God has for us, about what God wants us to be like in the world and in relationship with one another. So last week Sarah reflected on what we called the great requirement. Those are the words from Micah chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, where we encounter a question, what does the Lord require of you. I don't know about you, but if God is requiring something of me, I would kind of like to know what that is. And in uh, that passage, we find an answer to that question in three parts. Do justice, love kindness, or embrace loving kindness, and walk humbly with God. We call that the great requirement. Today we're going to reflect a bit on a passage of scripture that's often called the Great Commandment or the Greatest Commandment. And then next week we'll be looking at a passage sometimes called the Great Commission, where in his final moments after his death and resurrection, Jesus commissions his followers to go, to go out and to share the love that they've received with others. And then finally on May 20th, which is the weekend of our um, Change the World Day of Service, you'll hear more about in a few moments, we're going to be looking at a passage where Jesus' disciples are arguing with one another, and they go to him and they say, Teacher, which one of us is the greatest? Which is a very human question to ask, isn't it? Which one of us is the greatest? Because we all want to be on top. And Jesus says, the greatest is the one who serves. Then he goes a little bit further and he says, the greatest is not the, the first of all, but the least of all, and the last of all. Flipping everything upside down, as Jesus is so good at doing. So um, before we hear our scripture passage for today, I just want to give you a little heads up. Um, on Easter Sunday, which was, what, five weeks ago, something like that, this basket was full. What was it full of? Eggs. 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 It was full of little plastic eggs. There's a couple in here but somebody's taken all the chocolate out of them. <laughs> but inside each egg, in addition to, um, in addition to a piece of chocolate, was a challenge. Um, I'm just going to read this one. this one. The challenge in this one was make a sacrificial gift to care for people in need through United Methodist Committee on Relief, UMCOR, or another worthy organization. Um, some of those challenges were kind of about spiritual practices, doing something to um, nurture their love relationship with God, whether that's prayer, or worship, Bible study, something like that. And some of them were challenges that had to do with loving neighbor, um, such as that one, making a gift to help people in need through the United Methodist Committee on Relief or some other um, worthy organization. So in a few moments, we're going to ask you to share, if you're willing, a little bit about what that experience has been like for you. We hope that some of you are coming with a story or just um, some experience that you want to share about what your challenge was and about what the experience was like in trying to, to fulfill that challenge. Now some words from Scripture. I'm going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 22. Um, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. I love that scripture admits right there that he was asking a question to test 
Jesus. He was trying to trip him up, wasn't he? Asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, first of all, Jesus didn't make this up. He didn't just sort of like come up with this because he was a quick thinker. Jesus was quoting words from his own scripture, what we call the Old Testament, which was the Hebrew scriptures in Jesus' day, words from the Torah, or the first five books of the Hebrew scriptures. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy <coughs> chapter 6, verse 5. So listen to these words and see if they sound familiar. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Jesus is quoting those words. And then from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. And this is in the middle of a whole passage full of things you shall do and things you shall not do, sort of what it means to be a person in right relationship with God. And we encounter these words. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. There are 613 commandments in the Torah. 613 commandments in those first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures. And <clears throat> for the Israelites, faith was all about trying to live up to these 613 laws. Faith was about doing the do's and don'ting the don'ts. And that's really what it, that's really what it came down to. If you did the dids and you didn't the don'ts, then you were in right relationship with God. Well, that's kind of tricky because even if you could learn all 613, even if you could memorize them and recite them, it was virtually impossible to do all the do's and don't all the don'ts all at once, right? So when this Pharisee comes to Jesus and he says, which of all the laws is the greatest? Jesus doesn't miss a beat before he answers the question. First, with words from Deuteronomy, you shall love the Lord your God all your heart, mind, soul, strength. In other words, love God with all that you are. But then Jesus doesn't stop, does he? In some ways, he, he, he doesn't really answer the question because he answers it with two answers. <laughs> then he says, and the second one is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Why do you think the, the, the Pharisee wants to know which one law is the greatest and Jesus gives him two? Why do you think Jesus answers with two? Because they have to go together, right? Loving God is always inextricably tied from loving your neighbor. You cannot love God fully unless you also are loving your neighbor. And you cannot love your neighbor fully unless that is grounded and rooted in a love relationship with God. I believe that is absolutely true. The two are inextricably tied to one another. So, <clears throat> in our Methodist movement, we use the language of personal holiness and social holiness. Personal holiness 
is the love relationship with God. What are you doing that nurtures your relationship with God so that you love God tomorrow a little bit more than you do today? And a year from now, you can look back and say, wow, I love God more deeply, more passionately than I did a year ago. That personal holiness. Sometimes you think of that as like the vertical axis, the me and God axis, although that's not really accurate because God is sort of all around us. And that is always tied with what we call social <laughs> holiness. That is sort of the horizontal <coughs> axis. Loving our neighbor. What are you doing? What practices are you taking on that help you to love your neighbor more fully? So that a year from now, you can look back and say, wow, I love my neighbor more fully today than I did a year ago. In one of the other Gospels, this story is immediately followed by the disciples come back with another question to test him, the Pharisees, I should say. Well, then, who's our neighbor? If it's about loving God and love, then who's our neighbor? Because surely you only mean the people we really like, right? <laughs> we don't want us to love people we dislike. And Jesus then tells the story of the Good Samaritan, which is all about love for the one who is most unlovable, the outcast. The pushing the boundaries a bit. Love for God is not just about a feeling. Anyone who's in any kind of relationship knows that feelings come and go. Love is about practicing. Love is about embodying something. So the question is, what spiritual practices help us to deepen our love for God? What are the things you do or could imagine doing that help you to deepen your love for God? Who has an idea? Just keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. <laughs> look around and you can see so much. And even when I'm in the car and I'm driving, it drives me crazy. But I said to Fred, I gotta go help that person or something like that. And he'll say, no, you can't. Keep right on. <laughs> <laughs> it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. Yeah. So keep your eyes open. Yeah. That's pretty good practice, isn't it? Because most of the time we're totally oblivious to all that's going on around us and all the ways that God is making God's self known to us. Okay, other practices? Yeah? Doing like morning and night, like check-ins with yourself and see how you're doing that during the day. Sure. A morning and a nightly check-in. Um, in the world of spiritual practice, sometimes we call that examine the end of the day, sort of reflecting back. When during the day was I closest to God? When was I most distant from God? When was I closest to my neighbor, most distant from my neighbor? When was I most full of love? When was I most selfish? You know, those kind of... Sure. Other practices you can think of that nurture that love relationship with God? Staying positive. Okay. So far, everything we've said didn't have anything to do with the don'ts. It has to do with the do's. Okay. And uh, sure. by doing that, I think you feel more empowered to do more okay. than if you get down and in the negatives. It kind of <laughs> takes the edge off being, sure. you know, doing more. So it's great. Stay positive. What do you think, Liz? Um, even if you can't see, you can hear. So listen. Sort of like what you were saying in the beginning about being present. So sometimes mm -hmm. if you listen to the person and not even to the words. Walk without the iPod, kind of, <laughs> I find that I do that when I really need to recharge and reconnect and just being aware of nature and things going on around me. 
Sure. Sometimes we put prayer in a box and we seem to think that prayer is just sort of what I do when I'm down on my knees or I'm in a certain posture or whatever. Prayer can be whatever it is. I mean, maybe it's going for a walk around the back cove and just being open to God's presence in that place. Or some people pray through dancing or painting or singing or listening to music or you name it. I mean, that's how we maintain a connection, right? In whatever way is meaningful. Yeah? Mine is repeating some of the songs in my head that we had on Sunday or words and I'll say to people and they just, you know, they all kind of go, okay. Okay. Yeah, right in the morning. Yeah. And, you know, I went through the humbly, um, every step of the justice, way. Justice, kindness, yeah. and humbly, you know. That was going through your head all week too, right? And, um, <laughs> you know, and the people were like, yeah. yeah. Anybody else have that song going through your head this week? The song that we... The one we every step of the way that we sang a few moments ago. It was going through my head all week. And singing, That's a pretty good song to have going through your head, you know? You have to have one stuck. It might as well be that one. Actually, I had the one that... The one, the, the one, no, the one that we created words to. Oh. Do justice, love, and kindness. Yeah, we wrote that one in retreat a few years ago. Yeah. Surprise someone. Surprise someone. With a random act of kindness. Yeah. Somebody had that one in your Easter egg challenge, Random Act of Kindness. Anybody have that one? You want to admit you had that one? I know that was in one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, we're doing one right now, by the way. Worship is a spiritual practice that helps us to nurture our love relationship with God. Anybody ever wake up on a Sunday morning and think, oh, I don't feel like going to worship today? I do once in a while. <laughs> That's all the more reason to go. That's exactly. Myself, that's all the and more it's reason a I discipline. Go. Because we do it even if we don't feel in the moment like doing it. And somehow it puts things into balance. It helps us to refocus, to recharge. It reconnects the things that are disconnected. That's why we call it a discipline or a practice. It helps to nurture our love relationship with God. So half of that equation is loving God. The other half is loving our neighbor. So I was going to talk for a minute about loving neighbor, and I want you to be thinking about what you want to share about your Easter egg challenge. Well, as Alan said, these things are interconnected, aren't they? Because if we, as I told the kids, if we love God with our whole selves, and we're open to God with all of who we are, then it's really hard to say, you know what, I don't really like those people over there. Or I don't really want to be open what I might learn from those people who disagree with me, because if I'm open and filled with love, then I'm open and filled with love towards everyone. And that doesn't mean what everybody does is okay, and I just love everybody, and the world's just so great! <laughs> That's not the way that Jesus lived. Jesus didn't say everything's fine. But Jesus lived with a spirit of openness and generosity and love and grace towards everyone. And if the goal of the Christian life is to be like Jesus, then we should be filled with more and more love and more and more grace. Not just towards the people that we want to, but with openness. One of the... <clears throat> things that John Wesley used to say is that we're going on to perfection. And he believed that, that it is possible to achieve perfection in this lifetime. Now that does not mean that we do all the do's and don't all the don'ts. 
that means that we live in the way that Jesus did, not with selfishness as our motivation, but with love as our motivation. I think for us, most of the time, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. When I get to make the rules, I get to decide what's good and what's bad, what I want to participate in and what I don't, and when I'm not open to change, that's selfishness. And selfishness is not love. But selfishness is human, right? And so to try to be filled with love is not easy. But it is like giving. Because when we carry that selfishness with us, even though it seems easier than loving other people, it's actually harder to carry. That's what I found in my life. When I have angst with someone or I'm not open to them, it's not easy to carry that. Even though it seems easier sometimes than open. So you have some challenges about loving God and about loving your neighbors and some of those are more about one or more about the other, and sometimes they're all clearly mixed up together. But we'd like to hear what you learned through your challenge that we might all kind of learn together. So who has an experience or a challenge that you want to share with us? Jen? I've been carrying mine around. Of all the challenges that there could possibly have been in this basket, this was the one I least wanted to get and I most needed to get, which was learn honesty, share with at least two people you trust how you're really doing, ask them for time and space to be listened to, and share with them from your heart. Mm-hmm. I realized I was going to throw up whenever that <laughs> I was brought up believing, you know, talking about yourself is selfish, that you're supposed to care about other people, but I grew up in a family where we don't talk stuff when things are going bad, you just kind of deal with it. And so, so this has been really hard, and it's, I've been carrying this around literally with me every day, and it's been weighing on my mind. <laughs> um, and I'm still working on it, but I, what I realized, um, I had one really tough conversation last week about how am I really doing, because it's easy to talk about yourself when you're doing okay, but when you're really struggling, and I'm really struggling right now in a lot of areas of my life, <clears throat> it's hard to share that, especially when you've lived for 42 years without saying, oh, yeah, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm fine. Lots of people were worse off than me. So it was, a, it was a hard experience, but it was also liberating to at least say, I don't know if I wanted to say that out loud, but I did, and now it's out there, and now it's not weighing me down. <clears throat> and so the, the other piece that I'm really working on right now is realizing that before I can share openly with somebody else, and I have to be honest with me about how I'm really doing. So that's what I've been working on the last two weeks is having an ongoing conversation with God out loud so I can hear myself say how I'm really doing so that I can open myself up. Which is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And when we love ourselves, we have this idea in our society like, I either have good self-esteem or I have bad self-esteem. And it's not like that I can honor myself equally towards someone else and honor themselves and 
we're all messed up, and we're all wonderful children of God. And when we believe that about ourselves, we can believe that. I actually had the same one as Jen, um, which was, I think, and we were sitting in worship that day, and we both kind of looked at each other, and I think the most important thing she said was to be honest with yourself, and uh, for those that were here last week of my breakdown of work, I left work, and I'm happier, and good things on the horizon. So, you left your job? Yeah. I had to. Yeah, I, I figured out it wasn't me, and they didn't deserve me, and... <laughs> Pretty much, I mean, I just don't know what else to say. It just, we just do so. And I'm happier. So, but um, like she said, be honest with yourself, and that's what I had to do. Can I do this? Can I do this? Do I want to do this? Do I need to do this? No, because I'm not happy. My whole family was happy. All my friends were happy. I was making lots of money and, and in a successful job. Simple as that. Sometimes. And in that creativity, you're sharing it with other people who are getting energy from it, too. Transformation. That's great. 
seven because it was about it was basically said make a list of the necessities and don't buy anything in the next you know period of time but those things and see if you can stick to it and um, you know for me like hearing the creativity or listening or <laughs> reaching out to other people those are all things that normally associate with you know a relationship with God frugality and you know and money and things like that I don't normally think <laughs> of that in that context um, but it was it was really good for me to try to do that because what what I realized by doing that is that you know for me that is a huge source of stress in my life um, you know working with you know figuring out constant you know I think a lot of people go through those challenges figuring out money and how to uh, how to balance everything and um, and I realized that by by doing that and trying to stick to that challenge it it like Liam said, kind of opened up, you know, I, I stressed a little bit less about that area, and it allowed me to have more of myself to give to other areas of my life that are far more important, and it made me realize how much energy I actually put into, uh, and how much power I give kind of money over my life when it's not, it's important, but it shouldn't hold that, that much power. So and by, by making simple choices, you know, to not buy something extra or to stick to what I, you know, budget or that I know I can, it, it frees up energy. And then it also, I mean, the, the other part of that is that I've, I've ended up um, actually saving, you know, really saving money by doing that. And um, part of that, I think, is, well, I know is going to go to the love offering today. So um, not all of it. <laughs> Because that's the that's the gift that we all need. We need power over our money then rather than having our money having power over us. Because God is in that or not. <laughs> Based on our Other sharing? Learning? Sometimes the things that we don't want to do are gifts to us, anyway. 
I think so. That's what I was going to say is that the good news is May 6th was totally arbitrary and artificial. This is an ongoing, right? So if you didn't get a chance to complete your challenge. Um, mine was to go uh, to participate in another spiritual practice to attend a synagogue or a mosque for the first mother um, house of worship and I wow. simply didn't have the time. Um, so if anybody wants to come with me, we can figure out a time to go sometime. Anyway. I'll go with you. Okay, cool. <laughs> so if you, if you have a challenge that has been life-giving to you and you want to continue it, have permission. <laughs> if you've heard somebody else's challenge and you feel like taking that on in your life would be like giving to you, then you have permission. Um, challenges are good for us, I think, because we put walls around what we think our relationship with God is about, and whenever those walls come down, we're more loving, whole people, and that's what that's what we want. Let's offer ourselves to God as we sing together now a song that reminds us that we are called to a way of love. Jesus said, this is how others will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is how others will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you're comfortable standing, I might just stand and let's sing together. They'll know we are Christians by our love. 